You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. And don't forget, you can tell all of your smart devices, your phone, your speakers, what ever to play podcast locked on pelicans at podcast locked on nba to get the latest episode right away i'm your host pelicans insider credential member of the media and editor over at lockdownpelicans.com jake madison at nola jake on twitter here with you all on this friday a day we all knew was coming the pelicans take on the los angeles lakers in la yes the media frenzy around ad and lebron and the lakers has kind of been leading up to this and you're probably going to hear more about it today and throughout the game tonight And you're actually going to hear more about it on the podcast today because I am bringing on another guest, Scott Kushner, beat writer uh, covering the Pelicans for the New Orleans Advocate. He's going to set a lot of the records straight about this stuff, what you should be worried about and what's just kind of out there and nothing to be worried about. So there's kind of good and bad in this if you're a Pelicans fan, but Scott's going to give it to you straight and no BS in this. And he's not trying to push any narrative or anything like that. Just telling you what he knows and what he thinks. And he's one of the best covering the team. So this is the guy you definitely want to listen to when it comes to it. So we kind of dive into all things Anthony Davis in the podcast. I told you guys we got a lot going on this week. So I'm just going to play the interview for you all. And we're just going to let that be that. Joining me now on Locked on Pelicans, I've got Scott Kushner, the beat writer for the Pelicans for the New Orleans Advocate. You can follow him on Twitter if you don't already. It's at Scott D. Kushner. Scott, thanks for taking some time to, to talk some more Anthony Davis here. Always uh, happy to make my appearance in Locked On Pelicans. This is my, uh, I don't know, it's got to be at least like eight or nine between you and Brett. It's uh, probably a lot, a yeah. Common, yeah, common contributor. Well, it's, I mean, it also, it's, I had Andrew Lopez on earlier in the week. We were talking about when he, AD kept like skipping out on media, and he's like, this isn't hard. There's like four people there, so that <laughs> probably, probably yeah. helps it. Accurate. Yeah, um, it is. Uh, it does make it frustrating when you're like, you know, this really is not the hardest hitting media market in the world. I think you can, you know, take the questions. Yeah. Well, it's more just like there's just not a lot of people there to kind of cover the team. So when I need some guests, you got to turn to you. Also, you're the best. You know this. We tell you on a regular basis. I appreciate that. Always yeah. appreciate it. So, okay. So you ju- you have the column out in The Advocate today, and it was on uh, The Advocate website last night talking about Anthony Davis in regards to all the news with LeBron James. And look, LeBron's going to talk. He wants another superstar to play with him there. So it's got Pelicans fans kind of in a frenzy. Just from your, I don't know, initial take, like right now, is there anything to worry about for Pelicans fans? Is there something going on behind the scenes? Or where's everything stand currently? No, the only problem is they keep losing. Uh, you know, and I think that's every, that's pretty obvious. Other than that, nothing's changed with regards to this AD situation. Um you know, the Pelicans are still trying to make a move to get better. Uh, they're not trying to hit the reset button. They are not in a position where they feel like they're hopeless uh, or they, 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 this might be delusional. It might be smart. It might be 
uh, just, you know, optimistic. Uh, they feel like if they're healthy, that they can be a really good team. And they keep going back to the first four games of the season, which is, you know, in my estimation, a little silly to keep thinking that that four games overwhelms the next, you know, 30 of uh, sample size. But they keep pointing to Alfred Payton being healthy and his whole team being healthy and how they looked in those four games. And they think that that's who they really are, and that if they get a 20 to 30 game stretch with those guys all playing together, they'll win enough to boost them into the playoffs. And if they're healthy going into the playoffs, that they're basically right back where they were last year. And if you add another piece into that mix, then maybe they're better than they were last year. Um, I can't tell them they're wrong because you can't prove a negative, uh, but it does seem to be a little optimistic uh, based on where they're at. But I thought they were kind of crazy last year. Uh, when they were doing what they were doing in February, and uh, and it turned out to work. So, you know, it's hard to tell. But I, the Anthony Davis stuff, you know, it, it's you're going all over the place with every, you know, you can't turn on ESPN now for more than 15 minutes without somebody talking about it, as if there's something happening. Nothing has happened. This is a total just creation by by LeBron, uh, who answered a question honestly, and you know. I, I mean, no someone asked him, like, what's head. he supposed to say there, right? Yeah, he actually answered the question. If you were to ask Anthony Davis, would you like to play with LeBron James? He'd say, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> James, and, you know, like in New Orleans, sure, that'd be great. Have him come here. It's like uh, anybody wants to play with other great players. That is an obvious, you know, uh, fact. Nothing occurred, though. And so the whole, this whole you know, all of a sudden people are like coming to this revelation that he's going to get traded to the Lakers. I just don't quite understand it, except for that there just might not be much else going on. Um, but yeah, it's amazing how when LeBron speaks, the world kind of shuffles uh, in his direction. Yeah. And look, it, it's not helped by the fact that the Pelicans aren't winning and they're kind of in this weird streak where there's not exactly a ton of positives to say about them right now. You know, the, the, the most noteworthy thing about them probably is they're not alternating wins and losses currently. They're just on a two game losing streak, which, you know, when you say it out loud, like yeah. that is, yeah, maybe, maybe it's better to talk about other things. And unfortunately, this is really the only other thing. So I, I was talking to Anthony Irwin, who hosts the Lockdown Lakers podcast on Twitter last night about this, and he's kind of laughing at the idea of the Pelicans calling collusion regarding all this, which isn't really what happened. I said, let's get your take on it. If it is uh, like not collusion, sorry, tampering is the word there um, where Dell Demps was asked about this and he mentioned this, you know, the legal take care of it. It's not like the team's even really claiming tampering, are they? No, I mean, you know, there's probably – there's some ruffled feathers for certain, yeah. uh, you know, around the Pelicans. They're, they're annoyed, and that wasn't – that was a very bad metaphor if uh, feathers and Pelicans and whatever. No, that was good. Um, I like it. <laughs> but the uh, – you know, people are annoyed, but they've been annoyed with Anthony Davis talk since his third year in the league, and he almost didn't sign – you know, there was talk that he wouldn't sign that initial second contract. So – is a common occurrence. It is bigger now than it was because it is more pressing than it was. But they have been routinely annoyed by everything regarding this AD stuff going since, you know, for four or five years now. Uh, it's nothing new. Now, will they put a complaint into the league and say that it's tampering? I don't think that does them any good. I don't think it helps them in any way um, to, to do it. I think, you know, if nothing else that is just going to alienate them from other players uh, down the line. But I know they are, you know, annoyed by the whole topic of it. Uh, and they keep 
stressing patience that this is everyone jumped to conclusions last year uh, around this time. And with DeMarcus AD doesn't work. This team can't finish games, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden they went on a nice winning streak in January. And then they went a really good winning streak in March and April and everything kind of worked out. So that's sort of where their headspace is. Um, but this year doesn't equate to last year. It's not the same thing. Uh, but they are just preaching patience. And uh, whether or not it's a, a smart approach or a foolhardy approach is uncertain at this point. But I don't – the idea of them calling the league to say it's tampering or calling out LeBron in any way I don't think is going to do them any good. No, uh, probably not. <laughs> whatever happens here is going to happen. And, uh, and a lot of it depends on the Pelicans' success, but a lot of it uh, really is totally outside their control. Well, and so you say they're preaching patience, and there's really not anything else they kind of can do at this point other than the obvious, which is trying to add another player or two to this team in some capacity to kind of elevate them a little bit, particularly if they want to get further than they did last year. Like, what else are they supposed to do other than wait and trot out the best lineup they can and the best team they can on a nightly basis? Yeah, well, the other thing they can do, there's three options. Uh, You just named two of them, and the third (laughs) is to hit the reset button and trade Anthony Davis now and restart your franchise and, you know, you totally recalibrate uh, around your holiday or whatever piece you, pieces you get back and see if you can make it work from there. This is the highest 80s value will ever be because uh, he has the most amount of time remaining on his contract. And if you were to deal him now, you probably have more suitors. The only one you really wouldn't have was Boston. Uh, but everybody else, you pretty much have a better opportunity because you'd get two you know, postseasons out of uh, AD under contract, but that's not going to happen. Uh, I think we all have talked to people around that team yep. who are, <laughs> I mean, they laugh at the concept that they're going to trade him before the deadline. Like they're going to put a five-year, $239 million contract in front of Anthony Davis's face and make him say no. Uh, and if he says no, then fine. You move forward from there. His trade value will still be pretty good. Uh, he's obviously a supremely highly demanded player. But it's, it doesn't make any, you know, like from their perspective as a franchise, if they don't feel it makes any sense uh, to go ahead and trade him. So they're not going to do it, but that's the third option. The other one is to make a, a move that would be legitimately impactful, um, which is still I think they're going to try to do regardless. Uh, they're going to try to bolster the roster. And then the other one is just to be patient and stay in pad, which I think they're going to have to do for a couple more weeks. I think they want to see – what this team looks like, number one, when Alfred Payton gets back and what he can actually do versus what they've kind of built in their imaginations he can do. And then number two is as you get closer and closer to the deadline, the values start to become a little bit different uh, for your trading partners. Uh, some teams will slip out of playoff contention. Some other teams will uh, you know, start feeling they need, they're desperate to get rid of guys. There's all sorts of, of uh, things that happen as a deadline approaches. And that's that's kind of the strategy at this point. I don't know if it's necessarily going to work, and it all seems a little bit, you know, like, <laughs> what's the point? You're kind of playing the fiddle through the fire because it's like there's almost – it doesn't even matter, it feels like, when it comes to Anthony Davis. Like, is this team ever going to be good enough to the point where you can convince him that you can win a championship here? Uh, it seems really difficult uh, at this point. There was a time, I guess, in October – we're all like, eh, you know, like if they're really, really good. If, if an injury goes step, to another team, like, you know, we yeah, can talk ourselves into it here. Yeah, the right direction. Yeah, like you could, 
if they take a step in the right direction, they go get the right guy, and they're a 50-something win team, and they make some noise in the play. Like, sure, you could convince it, but right now, like after 30 games of watching this team, why should he stay? Uh, you know, like it's he can recoup the money somewhere else. They have not given him a reason to stay, but there are 50 games left, so you can't, you know, make that sweeping conclusion yet. Yeah, there's still time. So I want to touch on one or two things you said. But first, I do want to remind all of the listeners that the Locked On NBA podcast is five days a week, Monday through Friday, catching you up on everything you need to know from the night of action before to the biggest stories going on around the association. And of course, I co-host every Wednesday on there. So make sure you listen and subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast. Talking here with advocate beat writer Scott Kushner on Locked on Pelicans. So, Scott, you said, you know, this team's really optimistic about what they can do when Alfred Payton comes back. But, you know, and maybe that's kind of the pitch to Anthony Davis that he can win a a title here. And certainly that's what they're going to sell to him. But since those first four games, like, it's been a struggle. Yes, they've won some of them, but the alternating wins and losses. And when they lose, it looks bad, you know. What So what has kind of turned this team around? Like, they're going to point to it being it's Alfred Payton and he's out and it's injuries. But there's deeper issues here that have been going on with what we've seen on the court. They're thin. I mean, the injuries exacerbate that. But they're thin anyway. Uh, they don't have a lot of shooting. And it really hurts when you don't have Nico Miritich uh, out there or certainly not at full strength, which he hasn't been. Uh, and But he alone would not have fixed the shooting problems. Uh you know, when when Alvin kind of goes on talking about how Darius Miller is not going to go one for eight every game and all this stuff, it's like, yeah, but Darius Miller can go one for eight. That wasn't like a shocking result. He went one for eight no, against I mean, Miami. It's like, like anyone surprised that Tim Frazier is not hitting three-pointers? Yeah, exactly. Or Solomon Hill. And it's like, it's not – that's not these guys' job is to make three-pointers. You know, you're counting a lot on A.D. and Julius Randle shooting threes too. And it's like – this is not a good strategy for how to build a team in this era. Like they're trying to pile up points in the paint, which are good at, they lead the league in points in the paint. Um, but you just, you're not good enough defensively and you don't have enough shooting to keep track, to keep up with any of these games where you just keep losing in the end. Every time it gets in the last three minutes, you have an unreliable ball handler uh, and you have, you know, God knows what they're doing half the time offensively in the last two or three minutes of the game. Just total breakdowns half the time where you just don't get, I mean, the Grizzlies game, the Heat game last night, like you just don't get shots off that are, that you get the other 45 minutes. Like what happens offensively? Uh, and then the defense is just bad. I mean, they don't have a, a good enough ball stopper uh, on the outside. And, and that AD Drew uh, combination they leaned on so heavily last year when they're not in. It is a joke how bad they are. Uh, and, you know, these are obvious problems, and it's thin depth that gets exposed. Uh, and I don't know if it can be easily fixed. Uh, but I didn't think it could be fixed last year, and all of a sudden it was. Yeah, it's kind of wild at the end of games when you see Anthony Davis not taking shots for so long, and it's just defenses. Like, there's a very obvious blueprint on how to stop this Pelicans offense in the fourth quarter, and that's double-team Anthony Davis or triple-team him and just pack the paint. And their offense in, against, like you said, the Heat with that 2-3 zone, which, like, 
NBA teams break zone defenses all the time. There's a reason you see zone defense run less than 1% of the time in the NBA, and it completely yeah. just stymied the Pelicans. And then they had nothing going the other night against the Milwaukee Bucks because it was just AD and he couldn't do anything, and at least he scored 11 points and took nine shots, which is more than we've seen from him. Like, there's a very obvious blueprint on how to just completely shut this team down right now. The the zone defense thing with Miami, and you could tell how frustrated Davis was. Uh, any team in this league, honestly, particularly any team that feels they're decent, should be able to shoot a defense out of the zone. You should be able to get open looks and bury three-pointers until they break the zone. And that's why college teams use it successfully, because the teams in college don't shoot very well. Uh, at least most of them don't shoot very well. So when you are sitting there just bricking shot after shot after shot and you're facing a zone defense, it's just it's such a glaring uh, highlight to the problem that exists on the team. And it's such a glaring understanding that, hey, when Anthony Davis isn't you know able to get going, as in he touches the ball and two guys crash on him immediately, uh, there's not much they can do. And, you know, as good as Drew Holiday has been this season, so much of his offense kind of comes from that open court and that the, the gentry style and, and the way he plays so aggressively and he's such a great cutter and all those sorts of things. That all gets kind of washed away in the last few minutes when a game slows down and you end up a half-court set after half-court set or ATO after ATO. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really highlight a lot of his game when he's not playing with another point guard. Um so they and just, you can't, they, and you they can't really themselves... put Tim Frazier out there during those times right now oh, because, no. uh, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like your immediate, just no, 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 no. And you, and, and Drew was good at it last year, which I think is the part that everyone is so confounded by. Is like he, they were good in clutch games last year, and Holiday played the point a lot of those games down the stretch, and they just had more shooting. Uh, those guys were better. I mean, they played Ian Clark out there a lot in the second half of the season and in the playoffs. And he was making shots, and he was a threat. And obviously, Nico Miritic is up there, and he was a threat. And he was making shots, and it just kind of goes to show, like it, it, it it's fragile, and it's not just one guy or two guys who can make all of this team better. It has to be a whole system, a whole roster, a whole you know, and everything has to kind of fit um, to win games. It's tough to win when, especially when you get down in those close situations, you have to have things working when you're, I think they're five and 10 now in clutch situations this year. That's terrible. And that's just how you lose in this league. That's just how you end up in the situation that they're in, which is you look at the roster and you say, all right, you got Anthony Davis. That's all NBA first team. You got Drew Holiday, probably an all-star. How on earth is this team under 500? Uh, and it's because a lot of the rest of the pieces are not very good or don't fit or uh, don't show up in the last couple minutes of the game. Yeah, and, and it, there's not exactly a ton of assets here to completely remake the team midseason. They don't have, you know, they can clear up some cap space. Uh, for potentially a max slot this off season, but you know by that point it just might be too little, too late, and this is why I guess the rumors around Anthony Davis start to creep up. So he responded to the stuff about LeBron James talking um, to Zach Lowe, basically saying like, "Yeah, he's flattered, but he's not focused on that. He's just focused on the Pelicans," and he kind of straddled the line on not being committal 
either way. You know, I, I've seen some people contrast it to the way Kyrie Irving has spoken about uh, obviously re-signing with the Celtics this coming offseason. But Kyrie's an expiring deal. AD isn't. It's kind of not the same situation, but... It, I mean, is it are, we, are people reading too much into what Anthony Davis is saying, or does he maybe just not even know an answer just yet himself? I mean, based on the people around him, they say that he wants a reason to stay, and that might just be them talking to someone who's in New Orleans. Uh, but that he wants a reason to stay, and if they give him a reason to stay, he will stay. Right now, at the current moment, you know, we're December 20th of 2018, he is not in a position to where you would anybody with any common sense would say, yeah, he should stay. Um, that can still change, but it is the whole – he's open to staying, and he has been open to staying. He is not the kind of guy who's going to beat the drum – and say, get me out of here. I don't want to be here anymore. I hate this team. He likes his teammates. He likes being around the guys he's with. He is a, uh, a likable person. And I think he wants to do right by the franchise, but at the same time, he wants to do right by himself. And he knows that if this is going to be the team that is surrounding him, that this is the best they can do in his seventh season uh, while he's putting up, you know, the best RPM in the league, and now he's, what, got the third best PER in the history of the NBA. Yep. Uh, I mean, he's one well, – I think, uh, what was it, Haberstroh came out with the numbers before. I talked about they, it yesterday, been, yeah, 33%. It's about 500, like 33% in the last decade. Like, it's a bad franchise, man. Like, it's not a good team. They've had the same GM the whole time, so it's not as if you can blame shifting management and all that stuff. It's, you know – and that's not dependent at all on Dell because there have been, you know, circumstances surrounding that with injuries and ownership changes and whatever. I'm just saying that you can't, with a reasonable face, look at Anthony Davis and say, yeah, you, you should be committing to this franchise long term right now. There is no purpose in doing that. And the fact that he hasn't come out and said, like, they need to do something more makes him, honestly, like a very patient person because a lot of, lot of guys have come out and been way more critical of their teams in the middle of seasons. Uh, I mean, you've seen these guys like John even in Wall better situations too. Like uh, yeah. with teams that are winning, they come out. It was Jimmy Butler. It's nah, and he's like, yeah. I'm over this, and made a huge deal about it. Yeah, and it's it just goes to show you that he doesn't want to be a bad guy, and I don't think and, and Chris Paul, I think was similar uh, in that he didn't really want to say anything, but it came to a point where it was very obvious this wasn't going to work for him anymore. Um, but Chris Paul is here a lot less uh, than Anthony Davis was. Yeah. This is a much longer tenure uh, that AD is facing, and, he's, and he doesn't have all of the other BS that went on with Chris Paul, which was you know bouncing between cities and ownership changes and all that kind of stuff. This is a pretty steady situation of a team that has just not gotten – it's stuff together um, around him. And so he's being noncommittal. And I think that's honestly the best thing for the Pelicans. Like if you're a Pelicans fan, that is the best thing you can hear is that he's still like giving noncommittal answers because <laughs> it's not going to turn. It, it's not going to turn to be, Hey, I'm staying here. Don't worry. Like I'm here forever. Like Kyrie Irving, like they have given Kyrie Irving a very good reason to stay in Boston. You know, yeah, no, great exactly. around him, great support system. Uh, you know, he couldn't ask for more. And he, he asked out of Cleveland after they won a freaking championship because he didn't like the situation he was in. So 
this is, I think AD is, is honestly handling this very well. And people I see get on AD and I don't understand it at all. I don't know what people want from him to be perfectly honest. No, I mean, that's, that's completely fair. I, I do want to mention with the stuff Chris Paul went through, AD's never had to practice in the Alario Center. Or maybe he did, did they? <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I think he – the was Benson – so Benson's first year was his first year. So I guess they were still building the facility, Bill, right? When he so he must there. have practiced. He knows how bad things have been then where, what, they ha- would have to, like, leave the the practice in the Lario Center over in West Wego. And, like, sometimes they weren't able to practice there because, like, the circus was there and they had all the animals and stuff. Oh, yeah. They have, like, bitty basketball tournaments. They would be, like, rummaging through, you know, guys' offices. I mean, yeah. <laughs> It was a it was a playground that they turned into you know an NBA practice facility. It was the whole thing was very different. Now the league was different then too. It was a much smaller, you know, it was still the NBA, but it was not to the the money to the degree. No, that not it is not now. nearly the same thing. Yeah, and so it's just different. I just I I think it's very obvious what AD is doing, which is he is giving the Pelicans a chance to say get this right. I'm going to give you the year. I feel like I owe it to you as a loyal person. Uh, I'm going to give you all the year to figure all this out, and I'm going to play. I'm going to play as you know as well as I can. Uh, and you know, maybe he's not going 100 miles an hour all the time, but he's also playing the most minutes in the NBA. Yeah, and, he's know, doing a lot. <laughs> double teamed on every touch. It's like you can criticize this before. He is part of the problem. Like this is not to absolve him of responsibility. But it doesn't really matter that, like, he has not played perfect. Like, that's not what this conversation's about. Um, you know, that's that's a whole different, like, you can you can pin some of the problems on AD. Not I, no, I, says he is. I don't like the attitude where it's like, there should be no blame here, or if he has some blame, there's other blame elsewhere that's bigger and more important, so we should talk about that. Like, he is the focal point of this franchise. Everything starts with yeah. him. So if he's not playing as well as he could, it's completely fair to bring it up and say, you're missing a little, like, I, I think he's taken like the smallest step back on defense this year. If you go back to that Miami heat game, there's like three rotations in the first quarter that he just missed. That would have taken away a bucket from the Miami heat. And it's fair sure. to call him out on this, but I mean, is he yeah. the reason they're losing? Like, no, if I were to rank these things, it's not even close to the top. Yeah. Exactly, and it's it's the that it, it, he knows that it's his responsibility to win games. But when we have the conversation about is he demanding a trade, what's his future, all this kind of stuff, and the part of it is because they're losing, like yeah, well, he's the reason they're losing, and it's like sure, but that doesn't matter. Like no, exactly, <laughs> part of the reason they're they're losing, but that makes no difference in this conversation. Like it doesn't, like he could be averaging six points a game it still wouldn't make a difference in this conversation. He would still be a crazy in-demand player, and he would still be getting a max contract offer or super max contract offer this summer. And none of that would change, despite the fact that it's his fault that they're losing. Like, But that's not really the case. He's part of the problem. He's not the problem. It's, yeah, it's not the only um, thing. It, well, it's like how Kawhi yeah. Leonard, if he he didn't play at all last year, and let's say he was a free agent, uh, someone would have given him a max deal this offseason without a doubt. If he sat out this year out of protest because he didn't want to play for Toronto, someone's still going to give him a max deal this offseason. That's what happens with these guys because they are so good and they're so important and there's so few of them that ever really are like fully in control kind of of their destiny like this. Yeah, and this is what you get when you have a superstar. You get this stuff around it and 
you have to maximize on it or else you're not. Yeah, I had some really good teams with Paul George. They came pretty dang close a couple times. And, you know, when push came to shove, he was gone and he wanted out. And it's like Kevin Durant, he couldn't have come closer uh, to, you know, to getting into the finals and knocking off Golden State. He wanted out. Sometimes there's just not a normal explanation for this stuff. I give credit. What I also find frustrating about this whole situation from my standpoint is that if the Pelicans were the three seed right now and were whatever that is, five, six games over 500, then no one would be talking about this. And yet everything would be exactly the same. Nothing would be any different in this conversation. Yeah, it would be quiet. You wouldn't hear the chatter. Yeah, yet there'd be a totally different tenor around it. And it's like, this is all the same. It's like, the fact is, if they don't have a team that he thinks he can win a championship with, and now that is a very different thing than being the four seed or the three seed, you know, then you've got a huge problem in keeping him. Um, so, yeah, the fact they're under two games under 500 is more glaring, but it's there's 50 games left. So, I don't know. I feel like I've repeated myself a lot yeah, here, but it does okay. it happens. Me, <laughs> yeah, it's just – it's like how many times can you can you realize that this is the same – they're in the same spot they were in in October. Uh, nothing has really changed except for the attention on it, uh, and, and that is the biggest difference because they're not going to trade him unless something drastic happens. Uh, they are not going to trade him at the deadline. They're going to give him an opportunity to pass on a $240 million contract, and that's going to be what it is. Um, but the only way they can fix it is by winning. And so they're going to try to go make a move. And that move will be very important to, uh, to the future of this franchise. So I've got one more scenario regarding Anthony Davis uh, that I've been asking about in a second here. Then I promise we don't have to talk about it anymore. You don't have to have to keep repeating yourself <laughs> no, no, I'm with it all. I've been talking about it all year. What are you talking about? Yeah, I'm, this is, this is, this is like, it's like, yeah. <laughs> any radio spot you or I do, it comes up. Like, this is kind of how it goes. Like, this Absolutely. Is the, any the column, of, anything, it's all painted through that prism. It, 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 I get it. It almost has to be. But yeah, it gets like kind of frustrating at times because like we know he's not getting traded this year. So before yeah. we touch on the I think this is more of an outlier scenario. I want to get your take on it. Don't forget the Saints have a game on Sunday taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers as they look to lock up home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Let's make the road to the Super Bowl come through New Orleans and the Superdome. Ross Jackson, host of the Locked on Saints podcast, has everything you need to know leading up to this game. It's going to be awesome hopefully you'll be in the dome cheering make sure you're a better prepared fan by listening to locked on saints scott kushner of the new orleans advocate here with me talking all things around anthony davis here so we've talked about kind of look this is going to play out into this summer like as you said they're going to make him say no to this contract and then they kind of have an idea but they'll be able to offer him this contract again, assuming he makes an all NBA team, which I think we both think is very likely this coming year, where if he says no to it right now, this summer, they can offer it to him next summer before or after he declines that player option, depending on the timing. Are they going to let it get that far? Or if he maybe turns it down this summer, are they still going to kind of maybe go down with the ship and potentially lose him for nothing by not trading him the season after? Or is that something that they're just, no, at that point we need to get something in return? Yeah, I think at that point, well, once you put that, that 239 or whatever uh, in front of him and he says, no, um, you gotta, you gotta move. You can't, 
you cannot let him walk away. If, now, the only way that it would be different is if, for example, they did get really close and they did feel like maybe one more season we can convince him and we can do this and we can get a team that's really, really good and whatever. Uh, and that optimism bias could kind of shine through. Uh, I just have a very hard time picturing that happening um, to where they feel like they're that close because that's been sort of the, the rubric that they've used to see are they willing to go in the tax or not. Uh, mm-hmm. And clearly they have not gotten to the point where they feel like they can go in the tax yet because that's the, every from everyone who I've ever spoken to over there. They say we are willing to go into it, but only if they feel they're close to winning a championship. And uh, and that has not been the case yet. And understandably, they have no chance of winning a championship. I mean, like you know, like there's a ninety something percent chance that Colton State's going to win. Yeah, it's like the the so, Warriors still exist, and they haven't torn themselves apart yet. So it's it, yeah. good luck to anybody. It's not just the Pelicans; it's any yeah. other team in the league. Yeah, I mean, you saw the series last year. I mean, I when Pelicans came had one good game and then came close in one other one. I mean, it was like there was no way in hell they were winning that series. There was like, you no, know, they were it, playing it the best, ba- the best basketball of Anthony Davis's career as a team right there, and then they just couldn't do anything. Yeah, and they got you know, and it just showed that they weren't close and. I mean, not surprising that nobody else was close. It's not Cleveland was not close either. You know, like Houston nope. <laughs> was the only team that gave them a remote had a remote possibility of being in last year. Yeah. Um, so the idea that they would go into this last year would only be if they feel like okay, we're going to give this one more shot and try to make a run at the title. But that is not a spot that I can picture them in. Now, we don't know what this roster is going to look like come mid-February. We don't know what the landscape of the league is going to look like. Uh, so things can change. But uh, today, I see almost 0% uh, possibility that they would let AD play into that final season. I think if he says no, uh, you know, they'll probably give him a month or something to decide. I think they're going to give him some serious time. Um, to make a decision, but I don't think he will start the 1920 season um, if he has not signed, like with New Orleans, if he has not signed that max extension. Well, that's good for Pelicans fans in a weird way because at least it means there's resolution sooner rather than later, and this won't drag on for two more years maybe as opposed to just one. And you could end up with a really good team. I mean, you really could. They could bounce out of this in a really good way. I find it almost impossible to believe they would make the same people they would let the same people make the decisions who've been making the decisions the last 10 years but i mean stranger things have happened in the nba um but it does i just i think that is i agree i I think you get some level of resolution look i think i've i've heard a lot of fans say that the season's become miserable for him because of this like trade chatter which i think is crazy then just tune it out you guys but i understand it and why it's frustrating and if it just means they it makes their lives a little bit better cuz they don't have to deal with this like okay that's a good thing people want closure so that kind of gives it to you so from Anthony Davis and the drama surrounding him, which is not really any drama, actually, to the game on the court against the Lakers, he's going to get cheered heavily in L.A., isn't he, when he steps on the court? Oh, God. And it'll be, you know, fawned over on the broadcast. It'll be talked about in every L.A. paper and every L.A. Twitter account. It's, you know, and it's, it's you know, it's true. It's like that's a very 
real thing. It's like they're trying to go get him, and it's going to be yeah. – he got a big cheer in Boston, and he talked about it a little bit afterward. I think this will be uh, significantly more times than that. I think it will be a multiple of the level of attention and cheering. It's like the third – I think Rod Walker did a story today. The Saints-Steelers game is the highest ticket in sports this weekend, uh, price, secondary market, and then third – is Pelicans Lakers on Friday night. Uh, so it's a big yeah. There's deal a number of LA. things to do in LA on a Friday at seven thirty yeah. to like ten thirty that don't involve watching basketball. Yeah, yeah. It, it ain't exactly the Saints who draw a sixty share in New Orleans. You know, like <laughs> you know, uh, this is a uh, totally different deal, and it's because I think people want to see what the reaction is for Anthony Davis. They want to, you know, get out there to see Anthony Davis and see what it looks like to see him and LeBron on the court at the same time. You know, uh, there's some, there's intrigue uh, to this matchup from that perspective. Now the Lakers with LeBron are always a hot ticket, but it is way more than a typical, uh, you know, Anthony Davis goes on the road type of game. I think this means a lot more. And I think you'll hear a lot of stuff throughout that whole broadcast. The fact this game is on ESPN is going to torture the, you know, 10% of Pelicans fans who are so annoyed by all of this talk. Um, <laughs> yeah, and there's a 10% that read me and that listen to you. So, you know, that's who we're talking to. Right? Oh, no, of course. Well, there's a reason I brought you on it so we can kind of, like, just give it to them straight. I get people who message me being like, oh, my God, I hear he wants out. I'm like, where, where is this crap coming from? Because that's not the case, at least not yet. Is kind of the way mm-hmm. I'm putting it, it to keep it realistic for him. So what are we actually going to see on the court, though, in this game? Uh, how do they match up with the Pelicans and LeBron and what they want to do? And do the Pelicans have a chance of ending this two-game losing streak and at least getting back in the win column? I mean, it, they're, so, they're so thin. Um, but the Lakers don't have a lot of matchup for AD. Uh, obviously, it's just tough. I mean, Tyson Chandler, I guess, will He's he's playing, so it's uh, they've got you know at least somebody to help out in the paint. Um, but for the most part, they don't have a lot of options. Uh, I don't know who the Pelicans are going to try to put on LeBron. I suppose <laughs> that'll be Drew, but he really struggled with that last spring. And one of those rare games they lost down the stretch was in Cleveland as LeBron just kind of went off. Um, but it's it's yeah, it's a hard matchup for both sides. I do think the Lakers probably the Lakers would probably be favored, and without Randall without Miritich, without Peyton, kind of looking at a thin roster and going on the road. Uh, it just seems hard to, to picture the Pelicans winning. But, you know, I didn't think they'd be close against Milwaukee and they were to hang on there until the, you know, three minutes left. So yeah. a lot of it's going to come down to finishing. A lot of it's going to come down to if they can make some shots. Um, I don't think the teams are like wildly, I don't think they're, the Pelicans are wildly overmatched or anything. I just think it's a. Uh, it's a difficult spot. This whole road trip is kind of a difficult spot for them just because of how banged up they are. Yeah, and it looks like they just had the injury report come out. Randall's listed as questionable, so maybe a chance he plays, which would certainly be a big deal for the Pelicans. Revenge game for him would be kind of fun um, as well, playing against his former team. You, you make a funny point about someone covering LeBron because like, over the years they've had the weirdest people guard him in games. Yeah. You, you, like what, Luke Babbitt had to cover him entirely in one matchup a, a number of years ago? <laughs> Yeah, and the Pelicans actually won that game. It was uh, I just remember somebody asking him after I think it was about Chris Haynes when he was still covering uh, the Cavs, and 
He literally asked LeBron in the game. He goes, how disrespected did you feel by Luke Babbitt guarding you? And he kind <laughs> I don't of like, remember that part. He kind of agreed with the premise of it. It was like, uh, like yeah, it was a little disrespectful. Because then LeBron just scored like 20 points in the quarter, but they still lost. So it was uh, the, the plan worked, I suppose, for Monty Williams. S- somehow, yeah. I remember the one that was here. It was with the Heat where he put up, like I think he hit like six straight threes or something like that. And he was like taking crazy like 38-foot three-point heat checks and nailing them. And then during a timeout, he walked down to the Pelicans' side of the court to the opposite corner from the bench and like pumped up the crowd and everyone stood and cheered for him. So he's, he's had yeah. a pretty good history here in New Orleans, but this yeah. was on the road. That's what happens when you have guys like Luke Babbitt guard him. <laughs> yeah, I think Paige used to guard him like way back. Yeah. It was they've I mean there's been some uh the, the the lack of wings on this team is exposed uh by how, who has guarded LeBron uh and Kawhi Leonard, you know, for the last few years. I guess you'll put Solomon Hill on him. I mean that seems to be the only option, but uh, I don't. I wouldn't consider that a great option. Uh, by no, <laughs> probably not. Not not the ideal thing. Um, so Scott, thanks for talking all all things Anthony Davis with me here. Um, and hopefully the Pelicans can get a win tonight. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what happens, and I will. Be, uh, hopefully, I can stay awake. That's what I'm uh, most concerned with uh, through the you know midnight <laughs> finish. Of those West Coast games, especially with like a young child at home, that's got to make it even worse when they're on the West Coast. Yeah, I mean, because you know the, he's not concerned. Uh, my son is unconcerned with uh, with the daylight savings. You know, he just wakes up. <laughs> so <laughs> it's going to be you know a six a.m. wake up call pretty much no matter when. So it's uh, yeah, he doesn't care that the Pelicans are on the road. No. All right. So we'll see what happens. Thanks again for coming on the podcast. Absolutely, man. Talk to you soon. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Big thanks to my guest, Scott Kushner of the New Orleans Advocate. Follow him on Twitter if you don't already, and you should be. It's at Scott D. Kushner. There will be podcasts next week. If you don't listen in time because you are busy with family stuff, have a happy holidays. But I get it. You guys need a break from some family. You need to throw on your headphones, your noise-canceling headphones. Hopefully, if you're around big family, listen to the pod. Just get a break from everything, and I'll have a couple of episodes out next week for you all. So as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Enjoy the game tonight, or at least try to enjoy the game tonight, and I'll be back with you on Monday to recap it and talk some more Anthony Davis and this Pelicans team.